Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate. Earlier than on time, Thurston and Charles, pretty much late for everything. Thompson, how's it going today, Chuck? Oh, feeling scrambled. 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 (laughs) Yeah, but it feels good. Yeah, we got Um, too many irons in the kitchen right now. what's, uh, What's going on? From All what I the can pots tell. are flaming. Yeah. <laughs> As they say at the Ruby Red Steakhouse. It's good to be back. It's been what last Friday since we were here. It's been. It's been. So four days since you talked to me. It's been a I've been on the podcast a lot lately, but it's just a bunch That's of true. Pre, a bunch of pre-recorded interviews. I've been in here basically on the phone with anyone who wants to call me and talk about things and I record <laughs> it and then we put it out as an episode. Well, look, I don't <laughs> so, know if anyone knows this, but you know, we talked, we talked about this a lot. We do have other businesses that we run number one, and then we both have families. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes things happen and we miss everyone. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, Monday and Tuesday, we, we weren't able to do an episode Nate and I really tried to do one yesterday, uh, but the timing didn't work out. The only available time I had was nine o'clock in the morning and Nate was already uh, on his way to physical therapy at nine mm-hmm. because of, because of spinal issues, spinal. Yeah. So, so yeah. sometimes it just doesn't work out and we miss all of y'all and we thank you guys for sticking with us and sharing the show. I mean, the numbers, even though we're not even really posting anything, keep going up. And I'm just like, how is this possible? So that's all because of you all. We really appreciate that. So if you like what you're hearing here on the Good Morning Liberty podcast, and if you get bored, we have 300 and something episodes to go back to. So go do that. And if you like what you're doing or like what you're hearing, then first hit that subscribe button. Smash it, as Nate would say, although we're not liable for any phone damage whatsoever. Mm-mm. That's in the uh, the fine print. If you read the fine print somewhere buried on our website, I don't know where it's at, but it's there in case we need it for legal purposes. <laughs> so so anyway, hit that subscribe button and then share the show with a friend. We always appreciate it. I wanted to, you know, we have a lot to go through today, Nate, obviously, because we're we're catching up. Um, but I wanted to start with uh, the election. And I wanted to ask you a question that I had asked a few people, mainly my brother, because he's he's a libertarian socialist. And so he's very upset about ACB being confirmed. So now we have a full court again. And uh, obviously it was a, you know, it was obviously a rushed process and I think on purpose, but I wonder if she was confirmed so quickly the week before the election. And I wonder if you think that means there's an inkling from the GOP or maybe from Trump himself where he doesn't know if he's going to win or not. I, I do. I also think the, the only, we talked about this a little while back, the only reasons I could come up with for them wanting to do it so quick was one, they realized they might not win. And two, they think they might need her when it comes down to deciding who won the election. And I, I think that those are the main reasons. And it might be that last one that is actually going to be the most important for the Republicans. They might end up in the Supreme Court over some of these mail-in ballots. Uh, one story I didn't put in today, Wisconsin's Supreme Court did rule that any mail-in ballots that show up after Election Day will not be counted. And so that was a Supreme Court ruling that came through. I do think that that is the right answer because, I mean, what does that mean? What? How do you set the deadline on it? 
I guess you could set like a one day deadline or something. But what does that mean? That some some ballots show up a week later, you're going to count them? They show up a month later, you're going to count them? Well, they show up next year, they find them stuck between the seats in the truck. And you find, oh, look, here's 100,000 votes for Biden right here. Actually, we got to overturn the election. No, there, there's a time where you say, this was election day. We count the ballots. You got to stop it. And I think this might end up happening on a national level. So I, and there, look, there's no excuse. If you're mailing in your ballot, you should have already done so. so yeah. Yeah. Get your votes in. Got to get your votes in. I'm, you know, obviously, Biden has been leading in the polls the whole time, which was the case in 2016 anyway. But, you know, I want to. I feel like, and I, I can't remember exactly the numbers, but right now, the there's 70 million people who have voted early, and uh, which I believe, I mean, that's basically half the election already done. Mm-hmm. And so far, Biden's ahead by 17 points in Wisconsin and seven points in Michigan uh, from the actual early voting. And so you have to wonder, is there going to be a storm of Trump voters on election day and i think there will be i think it's going to be a lot closer this is what i was talking to my brother about i'm like look my, today's my brother's birthday so i texted him this morning i was like happy birthday bro and he goes hey thanks man he's like i'm actually more excited about next tuesday than i am my own birthday today <laughs> i was like really he's like yeah because uh biden's gonna win and i'm just <laughs> like i just don't i you know i i feel like it's going to be a lot closer than people think just like in 2016 and I feel like there's going to be some sneaky votes coming in there. And so it's going to be very, very interesting. Tuesday is going to be very interesting. I'm with you, Nate. I don't think there's really going to be a decision. I think it's going to come down to, because uh, what's interesting is in Florida, uh, Trump's actually ahead, a, a I believe, in the early voting. Just um, just a little bit. And the, the polls are also closing in a lot right now. Yeah. So right now, Biden overall is up five points. Uh, that's an average of eight polls. Uh, he's at 50% of the vote. Trump has 45%. And so there's that 5% in the middle, um, which I, I don't know, maybe we'll go to the Libertarian and the Green Party of the people who vote. And so it does have Biden, Biden up by five points. And that's the average of a lot of polls. Uh, so it is narrowing. This is what happened in 2016. Same thing. She was up a lot. Then it narrowed. And then Trump ended up winning and everybody lost their minds. So I think it's going to be a lot closer than people are giving it credit so far, just like we saw in 2016. And I think it's just going to be something to watch. It's going to be, I think it's going to be hilarious. It will, it will be. And your brother needs to, I think, not try to be excited about next Tuesday. He needs to be excited about like two months from now. If he does think that Biden's going to win, because it's not going to be decided on Tuesday. That's, that's just, it's not going to happen. And even if they do try to call it, it's going to be it's going to be contested for sure. I don't see Trump just conceding on Tuesday or Wednesday or the week after that. Could be completely wrong. I just don't see it happening. I'm not saying he's going to stay in there forever and he's going to refuse to leave and they're going to have to bring in the troops and get him out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I think it'll be close enough in a couple of swing states that they will be able to get into court over some of the mail-in ballots and they will dispute some of them. Signatures all kinds of stuff like that. I don't think we're going to know for a couple months who won the election. So, so uh, let's see. We have a prediction from Magoo here. He says he's calling Trump with 295 electoral votes. Biden wins the popular vote and it getting real judicial before anything is official. Yep. So 
Yeah, look for the uh, decision 2021. That's what we're looking yeah. for. <laughs> Our, my biggest hope is that Nancy Pelosi doesn't become the president in January. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest hope. And then Shapiro, um, I didn't see this, but Wes was saying Shapiro had an example that was realistic and made a 269 to 269 tie, which then would default to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Or the so or does be- it go to the uh, does the Supreme Court decide that or or is it the like Congress or something? The I can't Congress. remember. I can't I remember. Know. Yeah, I don't I know. I don't remember either. Maybe but it's going to be uh, y'all just pay attention now. It's going to be fun. We have no idea what's going to happen. I can tell you, although I hope I'm wrong, I I'm pretty sure Joe Dr. Joe Jorgensen's not going to win this one. Mm. Dude, how much did you like that meme I sent you that yesterday? Meme was so good. I still, if I go look at it right now, I'm gonna be laughing for five or ten minutes probably. Uh, it reminds the, me of that TikTok where the guy put the Mentos in the Coke. <laughs> it was like, ah, it's, so, it's so good. It's it's, Christian girls with cross necklaces. <laughs> it's a guy. You got to go look in the private uh, Patreon group, which you can get to by going to Patreon.com/slash/GoodMorningLiberty and become a part of the live show. But go look in the Patreon group. I posted it last night. It's a guy winning the being presented with the medal like at the Olympics, and he's all excited throwing up middle fingers f you guys putting champagne in his face ah just all over his face and then it zooms out and he's standing on the third place part of the podium <laughs> it's so good and it says libertarians after joe jorgensen gets 5.1 percent of the vote <laughs> so good so, so, good. so good okay well you know we've got a lot of civil unrest going speaking of what happens if trump wins civil unrest all over the place and i think there's an idea that if he loses that all of this is going to go away. I don't think it's going to because if if Biden wins this election, the there's still going to be an issue with uh, there's police. They have authorization to use deadly force. They're trying to enforce too many laws. Um, the community, uh, mainly I would say minority communities, have a, a little bit higher of a disdain for the police uh, than us uh, white splainers here. Uh, you know, and and justifiably so sometimes and not other times. But I I think this stuff's still going to happen, like what we're seeing in Philadelphia. This is a couple days old, but the, the, the protests, the mostly peaceful protests have been going on <clears throat> in Philadelphia. And uh, I mean, if all they would do, uh, if, if all they would do is go ahead and get rid of that there Eagles Stadium, I'd be fine with the protest. But if they're not going to do anything substantial and meaningful, then I can't get behind it whatsoever. Uh, but anyway, police shooting in Philadelphia. A guy was shot, caught on camera. And it is questionable. What I will say on this one, like we've said on a lot of the other ones, I think from a law point of view, these police are going to be just fine. As far as that goes, was it a a morally justified shoot to me questionable the guy had a knife he was say within 10 feet of the police officers and was uh moving towards them and anyone trained in any type of close combat i think would tell you that someone with a handgun is not quite as dangerous as you'd think if there's someone with a knife that's within say 10 feet of them a couple a couple big steps of them it's not exactly just a, a, a fair fight right there because uh, you, you can miss or you could not stop the person and they could still come forward and hit you with the knife in some kind of way. It's not just obvious in this scenario. I'm, I'm sad that someone died. 
I were against death. We forgot to say that. Gosh, this whole time people thought that we were pro-death and actually were against death. But we've been against it since the beginning. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Always been against death. You can go before back. And, I, before I was born. <laughs> check our voting record on that. We are. We have always been against death. If you go to againstdeatheffect.org, uh, they'll say we have a 100% voting record on being against death. So you want to go back and check that for sure. Uh, so I'm not happy about that, but I don't think that this is just an obvious thing right here. There were 10 people standing around, people with cell phones. I don't think this is just a couple racist cops that thought they, they could get away with killing a black guy and no one would find out the thing's being recorded right there in front of you. I think the guy had a knife. Everyone's saying they should have used tasers. We'll get into the story right here. So Charlie, here, I'll play the video so you can kind of hear what's going on. This is for a news clip from a local news station there. Um, and I know you'll be a little bit delayed, but this talks to his family a little bit. It's a two minute long video, talks to his family a little bit. Uh, what happened, what led up to it? His family, by the way, is calling for uh, there to be peace right now. You generally see that after these things happen. The, the family of the victims do not like all of the violence and the looting and everything that pops up afterwards. It kind of tarnishes the name you know, and it really, it doesn't do anything to help, which is what I want to talk about here in a minute. But here's kind of what happened. Ellis's family is calling for peace from the community tonight. We have team coverage of the aftermath of the deadly police shooting. And we begin with Greg Argos, who spoke tonight with Wallace's family. Greg. That's exactly right there, Jessica and Yugi. But first, you can see live pictures from our helicopter once again at 52nd Street and Chestnut, where a group of protesters have gathered an even larger group of police right nearby. This as the Philadelphia Police Department tonight asking everyone in the following districts to stay indoors unless necessary because of widespread demonstrations that have turned violent with looting. As you just saw, the following districts are affected the 12th, the 16th, the 18th, 19th, 24th, 25th, and 26th. This all comes as Walter Wallace's family, his friends, and his attorney have gathered in West Philadelphia. As looting and protesting broke out for the second night in Philadelphia, a press conference being held on the steps in front of Walter Wallace Jr.'s home. It's an SOS to help. Wallace Sr. pleading with the very people sowing chaos throughout the city. Having respect for my family and my son to stop this violence and chaos was going on in the city. Feet from where Wallace Sr. is standing around 2.45 Monday afternoon, 27-year-old Walter Wallace Jr. shot and killed by police. Okay, so I'm going to pause it right there for a sec while we're on this, while we're on this clip. You can see just kind of how close the guy was. He had gone around behind the car. They were trying to get him to basically put his knife down so they could, uh, you know, arrest him, I'm, I'm sure, and neutralize the situation. And he goes around behind the car. His mom was actually trying to stop him from going around behind the car. She was out there with him. So just terrible. I mean, the guy was shot right in front of his family. Uh, I just can't even, I can't imagine something like that going on. Um, that, that's terrible. Um, he comes around the car with a knife in his hand, going towards the two police officers. He's within 10 feet. Of, he's in front of that red car right there. And the police are kind of midway through the red car. This is probably more like six feet or so. And got a knife and is stepping pretty quickly towards them. Like I said, I don't think there's going to be anything 
legally without them changing rules or just being, uh, you know, kind of mob rule that's going to tell these cops that they did anything against police procedure here. And we can talk about police procedure in these situations. And, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about when people have mental health problems, they need to not be going and, and dealing with armed police officers. The problem is this was a guy who was having a mental episode and he was armed. And so that's a little bit different than saying, well, they should have sent a social worker out there. This guy, he, he was armed. He, he did have a weapon. So a guy having some type of a mental situation while he is armed with a weapon is a little bit different than just someone else having a, a mental episode. But let, let's go through the rest of this. As he wielded a knife, his mother by his side, recounting the seconds before the shooting. Calling the police to stop. Don't shoot my son. Please don't shoot my son. As the formal investigation continues, attorney Shaka Johnson giving details about what led to this encounter. The man was suffering. He was on uh, doctor's care. He was on a regiment of lithium, uh, uh, et cetera. And so, you know, and the police were here earlier that day. Johnson says police were called at least three times to the home. The final 911 call by Wallace Jr.'s brother asking for medics. The ambulance never made it. Now, I asked the okay. family attorney. So, you know, I, I really I feel for the family of the guy. Um. You know, if it, if it was called and they said that the guy was armed in any kind of way, I don't know what the exact phone call said. Um, they're not just going to send an ambulance over there for the guy that could that could be armed and dangerous. The, the ambulance isn't going to come first. The police have to neutralize the situation first. Ambulances literally can't go in to a dangerous right. situation. They can't right. do it. They wait for the for the zone to, to be safe. Yeah, they they have to wait for it to be safe. So, um, the the bad part from this is is going to be all the protesting, the news headlines, all that stuff. Black man shot by police causing protests. This is another one of those situations where it's just not. This is not obvious that the police did the wrong thing. We can talk about. I mean, the obviously people are saying things like he should have been tased. Uh, they should have shot him in the leg which I've said before, but then after talking to people, that is, that's just not something that's going to be possible. The, the chances of hitting someone in the legs while they're running towards you is, is going to be pretty low. Cops have to shoot someone until they're on the ground. That's, that's what they, mm -hmm. they have to neutralize the threat. They will, they will shoot you until they see that you're on the ground. And if that takes uh, 14 shots and the guy hitting, getting hit 10 times like it did, in the situation, that's what they do. And so we can we can get into more conversations about whether or not things like that should be changed. Uh, but it, guess what? It wasn't changed before the situation happened. They, they followed, from what I can tell, more than likely, what the rules were. So that's, did you see anything from that, Charlie, that, that seemed, out, I don't know, just outside of the law? No. I really didn't, you know, in the, these types of situations, I'm not sure what you, what you can do about it. Um, you know, I'm not sure if any form of jujitsu can take down a guy with a knife, uh, without, you know, potentially leading to 
bodily harm or death of an officer. And so when you're faced with something like that, um, it's just an unfortunate situation. And, and um, I, I don't know what can be done to stop that. And in this scenario, I don't think the cops are in the wrong. With George Floyd, I think there was an obvious uh, over overdoing of having a guy in handcuffs face down with your with your knee on his neck for nine minutes when he's saying I can't breathe. So it's a completely different type of scenario. So I you know I understand outrage from people when you feel like, especially when you feel like there's way more uh, police brutality against you or, or people who look like you versus everyone else. But at the same time, I, I don't think people take in the totality of circumstances. There was a, there was a great quote that you posted the other day by Thomas Sowell talking about, you know, education. And it was talking about how people have more of a reaction than they do trying to critically think about a situation. And it's more about how you feel. And so I think you have to look at each, each unique individual situation and take it for what it is. And, uh, but I also think people use it as an excuse to, I don't know, to get the message out. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's tough. Now, what was he there for? We're going to read this article here. Yeah. We're going to go through this. Where the police called. Now this was a, and I think it's just because he was kind of being erratic, you know, his family called for medical help. The guy was on a lot of medication. Um, I brought up this article because, this part is this part actually frustrates me. When I look through all of the articles I could pull about this, it was all this man shot by pro this man shot by police, this man shot by police, Walter Wallace Jr., all this. And then from Fox News, the first article I found, Walter Wallace, who was shot by Philadelphia police, had a criminal history and rapped about shooting cops. Now, in a maybe in like a in a in a court case where you're trying to determine some kind of a, an intent or motive or something like that, that could end up mattering. That doesn't matter in this situation. I don't think the cops were playing the guy's rap album on the way to go and arrest him. I don't think that's, I don't think he was one of their favorite artists. I don't think they'd ever listened to him ever before. This kind of stuff to me is not useful. Just trying to uh, damage. We've, we've got the video already and we can talk about what people should do in that situation. There's no reason to come out and say that the guy had been in jail before for a year. It's not useful at all. It's it's just simply simply not useful. Well, it, it's character it, assassination. It, it is, and it yeah. it doesn't matter. And the, the guy could have never done anything wrong in his life, or the guy could have just gotten paroled uh, for something terrible and was out. And this situation happens, and in the, both of those situations, the cops should have done the exact same thing in either one of them. Right. So none of that matters. The only thing that could possibly matter is the guy's criminal history, which he, he pled guilty to resisting arrest and assaulting a police officer. Now, if they pulled up his criminal history on the way to go talk to him, then they might have perceived him as more of a threat on their way there. But that still shouldn't change anything other than when the guy's within six feet of you with a knife and coming towards you. Nothing, none of the other stuff matters. They deal with people who have priors all day, mm-hmm. every day. None of that matters. 
So most of us have priors. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Charlie's got we, priors. <laughs> we've all broken some kind of law, right? So anyway, right, so this, this coming from Fox News, I think you read the headline already. Yeah. Walter Wallace Jr. was shot, who was shot by Philadelphia police, had a criminal history and rapped about shooting cops. <clears throat> so the black man fatally shot by a Philadelphia police officer on Monday was an aspiring rapper who sometimes rhymed about shooting people, including police officers, and was awaiting trial for allegedly threatened, threatening to shoot a woman, according to media reports. Um, and the other thing is there are lots of rappers who rap about shooting cops and other people. It happens <clears throat> all the time. <clears throat> Doesn't make you a criminal, by the way. So he also rapped about social justice and police injustice on his social media, and that doesn't matter either. But court records obtained by the news outlet show uh, also show Wallace had a criminal history in 2017. He pled guilty to robbery, assault, and possessing an instrument of crime, <laughs> which in Nashville is known as a catfish. I thought that that was maybe like a trumpet <laughs> or something like that. I'm not really yeah. sure. Yeah. So in Nashville, the thing to do is like throw a catfish on the ice for some reason. And um, <laughs> and so someone did that, I believe, in Canada. One of the Preds fan went up to Canada and uh, at a hockey game and the beginning of the game threw a, a catfish out and got arrested for using an instrument of crime. <laughs> so that was a, that was a funny meme going around Nashville. The You know, you know, um, authority said he kicked down the door of another woman and put a gun to her head. He was sentenced to almost a year in jail. In 2013, he pled guilty to resisting arrest and punching an officer in the face. It was not clear if the two officers who shot Wallace knew him, his mental health struggles, or his past, the commissioner, Danielle Outlaw, said Tuesday. There are several questions that need to be answered, including what the officers knew when they responded, what was put out by radio, and how any previous contact with Mr. Wallace factored into yesterday, the commissioner said. Authorities said Wallace was armed with a knife and ignored commands to drop it when he was shot Monday afternoon, which you clearly saw from the video. Mm -hmm. The two officers fired at least seven rounds apiece. That's 14. It was not clear how many times Wallace was hit and neither officer had a taser. That's the other thing. Would a taser have worked in the situation? I don't know, especially if someone is um, is struggling with mental uh, issues or is uh, on something like meth or something like that that would minimize the effects of a taser well so, if someone's coming towards you mattered. if someone's coming towards you with a knife or something like that i mean we cops know time and time again that uh sometimes the tasers they don't stick or they don't take someone down and and that i don't think it's as simple as they should have hit him with a taser i wanted to put that in there because i've seen so many people say why didn't they just tase them neither one of the officers had a taser so we can have a conversation about whether or not every single officer who is on the job should have a taser with them at all times. There, mm. is a, there is a conversation to be had about that. But even in that case where the guy's six feet away from you, running at you with a knife, I don't think you trust the taser in that scenario. My friend, uh, my friend Dustin, who, who listens to the show, um, was drunk one night, got tased by some officers for no reason at all. Got he had to get tased four times for him to finally go down to the ground. So it's not just obvious that you hit someone with a taser and then they magically go down to the ground. Yeah. And so if someone's coming at you with a deadly weapon, I don't think you trust the taser in that scenario. I'm sorry. I just don't think right. you do. 
Yeah, I I agree. I mean, there's like, and we'll get that what the what the family says here in a second. It says um, officers have been to Wallace's home twice before on the day he was killed for domestic disturbances. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported, which means the family called the police mm-hmm. to the house. The family told the newspaper the third call was for an ambulance to help him deal with his mental health crisis, not for police. Um, I, I missed the part here. He also struggled with mental health issues and was bipolar. He was previously ordered by a judge to undergo psychiatric evaluation treatment. So calls and messages to Johnson, which is the family attorney, was not returned. Uh, they were advised that he had mental health issues. Anthony Fitzhugh, Wallace's cousins, told the Inquirer. I understand he had a knife and their job is to protect and serve by all means do so, but do not let lethal force be the means by which you deescalate the situation. You could have still kept your gun drawn while another officer tased him as if, like you said, as if they, well, first of all, they didn't have taser, but as, as if a taser always brings someone down, it doesn't always work. And they didn't just see him with the knife and shoot him. They waited for him to come around the car and start running towards them. Mm-hmm. And when they got within about six feet, then they shot him. So they were there with the guy having a knife for I don't know how many minutes beforehand. So it's not as if they saw a guy, he had a knife, so they killed him. That's not what happened. They waited for that knife to become deadly force, potentially to be used against them. And then they decided that they had to take him down. Yeah. And an ambulance is not going to show up uh, for a domestic dis- uh, disturbance call. Even if you do request one, they will send the police themselves. Yeah. That's the way it works. Um, The names of the two officers involved in the shooting have not been released. Outlaw said Tuesday that information will be made public when the department determines it won't jeopardize their safety. And, um, man, you know, I I, I do feel for people who are, um, well, I feel for anyone who's killed, honestly, but especially for those that are unjust and we do have many, many, many issues inside the criminal justice system that we've talked about for years in several episodes. And there's several things that we can do to make it better. Um, you know, especially libertarians have railed on the drug war, the failed drug war that's caused a lot of these, you know, unnecessary situations. But in this case, the family called the police at least twice to the home uh, for domestic disturbance. And so they were looking for the police for help. Um, and then when the police do show up and he charges them with a knife and he gets killed, well, now all of a sudden the, the cops didn't do their jobs right. Yeah. And so it's it's a very frustrating situation. So, I, you know, I understand when you're when someone's unjustly killed because of, you know, barriers and um, things inside the criminal justice system that obviously need reformed and protesting about that. But using this specific situation to protest against, I just don't see how it fits together except for it's an excuse to protest and loot and be violent. And that's the thing that, you know, the, the initial, the protest about George Floyd, that had a lot of merit and justification. Now, not the looting or the violence. I'm talking about the mostly peaceful part. All right. So that had justification, but when you start protesting, looting, burning, in these situations where there were not very many other options, like that this was not just clearly the officer's fault, that it it takes away from the whole narrative. It takes away from the entire discussion. That's what I hate about it. That's why I like to, that's why I like to talk about these kinds of things. It, maybe it's, maybe it's not super libertarian of me or whatever, but what do I actually care about is the truth 
and actual principles. And when we're going to protest something or we're going to push for something, we're going to fight for a law or against the law or something like that, or we're going to fight for, heck, impeachment or news stories or whatever, that when we do that, it be with the right principles in mind and not just to be used as a political weapon because those political weapons can always come back to bite you later on. And people just don't, they don't pay attention to this. If you care about this situation, if you care about police brutality and criminal justice reform and all of those things, then this is not the hill to die on. A guy running at police officers with a knife. This is not how you do it. This is how you go against fighting for those things because you kill the entire argument when you lump in this guy with a George Floyd in that situation. You can't lump the two together. They're not the same situation. And when you lump them together, you destroy the entire argument. And that's why this mm. upsets me because I care about the argument. I care that people get killed by police when they shouldn't be. And I want to fix those kinds of things. But when you lump things like this in with it and you use that as an excuse to go loot the Walmart, you kill the entire basis for the argument at, mm -hmm. at that time. Truth. So, truth. Truth. Well, it's gotten so bad they called in the Guard of Nationals. They did. They did. They, they called in the Guard. And uh, even the governor, that old Democratic governor, Tom Wolf, he called them in. So this is from the Washington Post. National Guard is requested as protests over Walter Wallace killing in Gulf, Philadelphia. On the second night of mass demonstrations over the fatal police shooting of a 27-year-old black man, about 1,000 protesters marched through the streets of West Philadelphia, born and raised on Tuesday, demanding justice for Walter Wallace Jr. Authorities said they'd expected another wave of unrest Tuesday night after a smaller protest turned destructive Monday night. Police said they were dispatching more officers while Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf authorized the state's National Guard to deploy to help police protect property and quell unrest in the state's largest city. Wallace's death on Monday set off spasms of anger in Philadelphia, becoming the largest city gripped by anguish after a deadly police shooting. It also highlighted the fraught relationship between this community and its police department. I do want to talk a little bit about that because, you know, policing has become a lot different nowadays as it did back, you know, back in the day. Um, and of course, I mean, I didn't grow up in the 50s or 60s, but, you know, used to, especially in smaller communities. You know, people, business owners and, and people in the community knew who their police officers were and they were friends with them, essentially. You know, we, we experienced this coming from a small town. But, you know, back in the day, you you're, the police officers would come in, they would check on your business, they would stop by, they would ask how you were doing. They were part of the community. And it's seen a lot differently nowadays um, as, a, as a police is, you know, seen as this. I don't know, overarching authority that's above the community almost. Mm -hmm. And, and they're kind of separated. It seems like they're separated from everyone else and they're not really involved. I, I have yet, it's been a long time since I've seen a police officer stop in somewhere and just ask how things were going. Yeah. And, you know, they're too busy chasing down people with uh, the, the wrong plant in their car. You know? Yeah. They got more important their things to do with. license plate expired. Yeah. They didn't pay. They don't have the right sticker. Man, I gave up stickers in kindergarten, man. I was over them back then. You want me to put a sticker on my car as an adult? It really is. Uh, I wish it would be more of a community feeling with the police. That it really should be. And you're right. It, it's like they're, they become this authority figure above the community that's just watching over and, and making you pay them money for things and stuff like that. 
you know, I was in the grocery store the other day and this this uh, cop was in there. It was about a 60s, 65-year-old black guy walking in the grocery store in his police uniform, walking around, getting groceries. And honestly, I felt bad for him. I felt really bad for him. I just did. Because imagining like the feelings when you're walking around your local grocery store, the guy's not getting paid awesome money or anything. He risks his life every single day. Probably wanted to help people when he decided to become a cop, you know, and he's walking around the grocery store and just imagining what people thought, one, that he was a cop and two, that he was black and he was a cop. Just the hatred he must feel inside when he's walking around. I felt bad for the guy. And, and it's really at the point now where the cops can't become part of the community anymore because you know, I did see that video. There was one video that went viral where the cop was like playing basketball with the kids outside in the street. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Um, we, but we need to see more of that. Yeah. And, and erase this barrier, I think, between the people in the community and, and the officers, you know, like it, it, you really shouldn't be fearful when a cop pulls you over, you know, but I am, (laughs) most people are, you know, your heart rate raises, your blood pressure goes up. Um, because it's always, it's like police means trouble. (laughs) Yeah. they shouldn't, they should mean protect and serve. They're in the, they're in the role of service. It's their job to serve the community, but instead they've become this cash cow for the government and the incentive structures completely backwards. You know, these people that go in with good intentions, wanting to protect and serve the community, get stuck in traffic or whatever else they're doing, enforcing these ridiculous laws that are on the books or regulations uh, just so the state can make more money. And, and we know this by quotas and all kinds of other things. And it's just, I think it's created a massive divide between the people and her police officers. I think that what's interesting there, when you think about that a little bit further, the police, you know, the, there is that kind of baseline disdain towards them and what they, what they basically are in nonviolent situations are tax collectors. That's pretty much what they are. And it's interesting to see so many people have issues with them with their with their local tax collector. And the, and and I know it's not a tax, but kind of is. They get the mm-hmm. they get to come up with whatever stuff they want to to come up to come up on you and give you a ticket under threat of force for for you to pay them money. It's a tax collector. And that's not yeah. what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be there when someone's in danger, you know, cuz they can use force. And the, and they can defuse the situation, or they can protect you and serve you. You know, it's just <clears throat> I don't remember where, where I was in the article, but the important part here is <clears throat> people are burning and looting in Philadelphia, and this is not good. This goes along with the last conversation. I care about this issue. I want people to feel good and feel like police officers are part of the community. I want people to feel safe. I want everyone to come together along all the lines, the racial lines, the political lines, all that stuff. And going out and setting fire to your hometown, it's not the way to do it. Last night, out of the fires came more racial division and more hatred between police officers and the people in the community. There's something like 30 police officers that have been injured in Philadelphia in the last couple of days now. Wow. There's, it's, it's not better. It's not going to get better. It just makes things worse. This is why Martin Luther King Jr. pushed nonviolence all the time, because it makes you the better person. It shows that you are better than the people that you were fighting against, that you're stronger than them. 
And it's sometimes the stronger person is the person who doesn't use who doesn't use violence. And it it shows that and it shows it shows love and it shows that shows that agape love. You know, it's a love for mm-hmm. that, that love for people because they're people, because they're human beings that you have to have for them, whether you like them or not. And that was why he was so successful with the message. And people have completely forgotten this. A lot of people have anyway, not everyone, but a lot of people have. In fact, a lot of people get annoyed when you bring up MLK, which is mm-hmm. sad. You know, I would say this, those same people. OK, so can we take MLK day away? You want to work on that day? You want to go to school? Since he doesn't matter, apparently, since his message was stupid and didn't make any sense at all. Is that what you want to do? Take yeah. away his day on the calendar? No. So maybe we pay attention to uh, to what he's saying. I don't know. All in all, sad situation. Yeah. Nothing like George Floyd. And, um, you know, people shouldn't be protesting that incident and using it as an excuse. It's Violence is never a good a good answer you know they say violence is violence you know yeah Mm -hmm. i don't care if it's mostly peaceful or not man all right switching gears here um god i just love modeling they're so they're so good this coming from the gazette colorado to exceed all existing hospital capacity by the end of the year models suggest so everyone get your freak on Colorado is set to exceed all existing hospital capacity by the end of the year. Governor Jared Polis warned Tuesday, citing modeling as a seven day average of COVID-19 cases at an all time high, because we know the models were correct to begin with. So why not Mm -hmm. go back to them? They've been correct every time. All the hospitals in New York were overran. All the hospitals Mm -hmm. around the country were overran because that's what the models said. Yeah. Two million people died. They're always right. Always. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't use modeling as, uh, you know, as Mm -hmm. some kind of indication. But um, you don't know until you don't know here. So he said here, quote, this thing's quick and we need to change the way we live. Uh, Polis beseeched during a news conference, imploring residents to stay home unless necessary, wear masks, wash hands and keep a social distance. I didn't. This article might have been written in the 1700s. <laughs> Does it beseech you? Sir, Polis? Uh, quote, now is the time to shrink our bubble and be more caref- careful. We've got to get control over this in the next few days and weeks heading into the holidays, heading into a time of so much hope. He said, alluding to the promise of a vaccine, we don't want to squander that by easing up now. If Coloradians are heeding his advice, the data doesn't reflect it. The state recorded 1,400 new cases Monday and 1,200 cases Tuesday after setting a high of 2,000 cases Sunday, more than double the springtime peak of 966 cases on April 23rd. Here we go again, just talking about cases. Yep. Nearly 650 Coloradans are hospitalized with nearly 80% of intensive care unit beds across the state in use, as are nearly 40% of adult ventilators. Hospitalizations have steadily increased for nearly the past two months, he added. Could it also be that hospitalizations increase because people are coming in for other things too? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the case. I'm just saying that's, that may be a possibility you know, as we- things started to open back up. And also, by the way, it is the end of October. So flu is in season. Yeah. We normally have tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people get the flu every year in the United States. Yeah. This, this always happens. And by the way, that number, what is that, 80% of ICU beds across the state? Charlie, what do you think the percentage of ICU beds used it normally is? That little over 80%. It's right around 
plus or minus 5%. It's what yeah. it always is. It's a scary number, but hospitals work on efficiency. That's what they do. They don't throw out a bunch of extra beds. They're always running that full. Okay. They don't want a bunch of empty beds. Empty beds no. means no money. Yeah. And no money, no honey. So as the state's positivity rate, the percentage of positive cases among those tests is soars beyond 5%. Uh, cap recommended by the World Health Organization. Officials uh, are again looking at the surge capacity, which would allow it to add thousands of hospital beds in four weeks. The positivity rate in the state is approaching mm. 7%. That capacity will depend on the availability of personnel and supplies. Polis caution, adding that many hospitals are already making plans to begin the call on increasing ICU beds. Mortality rates for COVID patients who enter the hospital dropped to 4% this month. <laughs> Let's talk about the cases, though. No. Hang on. No, just cases. Don't talk about Mort the mortality rate. Mortality rates for COVID <laughs> patients who enter the hospital dropped to 4% this month, down from upwards of 15% this spring, thanks to advances in care. Still, if you contract the virus and require hospitalization, you have a 4 to 7% chance of not making it out. <laughs> now, remember, that number is of people who end up being admitted into the hospital. Require hospitalization. And yes. this, this has been one where they, they conflate the two numbers, they use mm -hmm. them to, together, They'll talk about how many people are getting sick or how many people have COVID. And then they'll talk about the amount of people that are hospitalized that end up dying. That is not the same as the amount of people who end up dying. That's not the same because a lot of them, most of them do not require any type of hospital care. A lot of people don't even know they ever have it. Does that mean that we're mm -hmm. not taking this seriously? No, it just means I want people to get the freaking truth out there and stop trying to fear monger everyone all the time. I mean, so <clears throat> a lot of this is uh, same stuff we've been hearing all year. Uh, ICU beds are out. You know, we're going to run out, even though we're running about the same rate that we normally run um, all the time, because that's how we always keep it. 40% of adult ventilators being used. And listen, we're not out of ventilators. We got a whole bunch of extra ones all over. Even Trump's been talking about how he's offered up ventilators to all the states that they can use. So if they end up needing them, they can pull them from all over the place. They'll be able to pull them in. And if they need more beds, now this is more difficult for ICU beds, but if they need more beds overall at the hospital, you know what they can do? They can go to the government and say, hey, government, can I please have approval to use a bunch of these extra beds in this wing that you won't let us legally say are available right now? Um, because we actually have a whole lot more beds, but um, legally they're not usable. They're not licensed. And then they don't have a sticker on them. <laughs> that that number also, to me, the most important part here is going to be getting enough nurses and doctors to take care of everyone. Because yeah, that, that number of beds is also how many beds are available that can be staffed. And if they don't have enough nurses, they don't have enough doctors, really it's the nurses um, that's going to be the, the most important number there. If they don't have enough people to take care of the beds, then they're not considered available beds. They're, 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 non, they're not staffed beds. And so they have to make sure that they get their staff numbers up so they can actually take care of them. It's like a, we used to work at Olive Garden and at Olive Garden, you're allowed to take three tables at a time as a server. Okay. And, and I really, this is not healthcare at all, but it's about the same principle overall. We worked at Olive Garden, Charlie and I both did. You're allowed to have three tables at a time. Now someone comes in there and there's four servers on the floor and Olive Garden's got a hundred tables in the entire restaurant, but there's four servers on the floor 
then technically you got 12 tables. And if there's, if there's nine tables taken up, then you're at 75% table capacity at the moment, even mm -hmm. though there's another 88 bed, beds, tables, <laughs> tables available in the I mean, restaurant. After you eat Olive Garden, you feel like you want to take a nap. Yeah. So. It's because they weren't staffed tables. There weren't servers there to take care of them, but they were there. All right. Sometimes they run out of space overall, but I don't know that that's actually happened. I think it's been a more of a nursing shortage than an actual physical bed shortage and ventilator shortage. All of that so far. What have you heard maybe on that, Charles? Maybe they should serve you in beds <clears throat> in Olive Garden. I would nice. take a nap right after. Yeah, I, I immediately, oh, you just get so full when you eat there. Magoo said he tripped over a ventilator on his way to his mail in ballot. Box. <laughs> There's he just the every, things are everywhere. <laughs> littering the streets like like money in Venezuela. It's just all over the place. Uh, well, you know, if if uh, Will Smith can sell those, was it, wasn't he trying to sell ventilators and um what was he trying to sell? Some medical device. Oh, that was a that was a bone density scanner that he was trying to oh, sell. Okay. Don't you gotcha. uh, don't you besmirch one of my favorite movies of all time right there? Well, if he just converted those <laughs> over to ventilators, I bet he would have made more money. <laughs> he would have more. <laughs> he probably wouldn't have been legally allowed to though. Would have been, would have right. been the issue. I doubt it. <laughs> we just need Elon Musk to get all those Tesla ventilators out there, and and we'll take care of the problem. It's yeah. just this is just it's the fear mongering part that bothers me. Yeah, it, this modeling will be out if we and the the models are suggesting if we continue the current trend that we're on right now. You know what? If that were the case today, then by tomorrow the stock market's going to be at zero. All right, yeah. that's how that works. Stock market drop what? What is it down today? Seven hundred and eighty points today. By my model, it is suggesting that by tomorrow or the next day the market will be at zero. That's not what happens. Things don't just continue. There's a fluctuation. Yeah, it goes. It fluctuates back and forth. All right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I think. I think um, I think Jesus said something about you know, focus on today, and um, something like that. He did. That's a tomorrow's not today, and yesterday's not today. Yeah, yeah. That's so, uh, not in the Bible. Aronomy, uh chapter three, verse seven. I think is mm -hmm. is is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Something, translated from the Greek heritage. Seven and eight. Eight was, and Jesus said something like that. And uh, mm -hmm. the first one was a uh, focus on, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Seek, seek ye therefore of uh, <laughs> today's wellness. And um, and and then that, right after that, I think in, in parentheses, it said models are wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the parts that the Catholics had removed from the Bible before the whole right, thing, right. you know, went out. And I saw that in the Da Vinci Code uh, number four, it was, uh, it was in there. So, so anyway, yeah. uh, it was the men, the men removed all that. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of the stonk market, let me tell you what guys, we're doing a live Q and a tonight, by the way, Charlie, I didn't even tell you, I just was like, Hey, I'm doing a live Q and a tonight. Oh, <laughs> and so uh, we're doing a live Q and a tonight and y'all still can come join that. If you want to, I will put the link to the Facebook page in the show notes. You can come and watch that live Q and a, if you want to. And if you don't want to, then I recommend you don't do it. All right. That's how this works. But the market dropped crazily over the last couple of days. Just been nuts, of course, getting up to the election. And so I've been playing it a little bit safer than normal, normal safe on our low float, fast moving, more risky stocks. And I've been trading futures 
instead and uh, been able to make some really good gains on those over the last couple of days, still in a position right now. And uh, if you are interested in learning about all the different strategies, learning how to read a stock chart, learning how to uh, know when this stuff is coming, or just really follow the charts and you didn't even know what you didn't know, but you knew that you knew you were there. So that's what we teach. That's video number seven. And um, anyway, go to mastermystonks.com, mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades.com. Get involved today. Now is the time, especially if this market crashes around the election, there are going to be so many opportunities to be buying up some stonks coming up here mm -hmm. pretty soon. If you didn't the do hell, it, you can sell them on the way down. Yeah, you can short them on the way down and you can long them on the way up. Just like my mm -hmm. granddaddy used to tell me. So mm -hmm. go to mastermystonks.com. Your mom said happy birthday to your communist brother. Too. <laughs> I already did. I told him I said happy birthday, yeah, bro. That was at the beginning of the episode. This is interesting. <laughs> uh, Cheryl said here in the live group um, that in Illinois, the governor shut down indoor dining. And so the Logans in a town in Illinois offer, uh, they offered outdoor dining in a heated tent with multiple tables. <laughs> so <laughs> I just love the free market. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, you're going to shut down our inside dining. We'll, we'll just have outside dining. <laughs> and she was yeah. saying for multiple people to sit down and eat, just like they used to do inside the building. And uh, so it's just kind of taking care of the, the market will provide. <laughs> All right. The market will provide that is trustee there for the free market. Um, is <laughs> anyway, it's probably in Proverbs, I'm going to stop blaspheming all over the, the uh, episode here. And you tell me about Patreon. <laughs> oh, Patreon. Well, that's where you can go to see all these comments and interact with us. And, you know, we'll probably mention you on the show because we do quite a bit. So appreciate all of you guys joining and all you ladies as well joining. We do have ladies in the live group as well. So, Ladies, don't fear not. Uh, you're not going to be overrun by men in here because our men are respectful. Okay. They are respectful men. Mostly men. respectful. Mostly. Right. Which is, which is key. Yeah. Well, you want people who are mostly respectful. So join the live group by going to patreon.com slash good morning liberty, patreon.com slash good morning liberty. It's only five bucks a month, which is basically nothing. And if you signed up for our trading class, well, you could easily make five bucks probably if you follow the rules it's up to you and so pff, there's your five bucks right there and you won't even notice it coming out of your account at all guaranteed guaranteed nobody notices five bucks anymore it's like having 25 cents back in the day you dropped a quarter and it it stayed on the ground so five dollars a month i wouldn't leave a quarter on the ground to the live group and uh sign up patreon.com slash good morning liberty and then please Continue to share the show, share it with a friend, share it with your communist communist brother or uncle or maybe your socialist aunt. And if you do all of that, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.